So you don't need an overactive, aggressive immune system. That would be going back to hostility. You don't need an underactive immune system. You need a fine-tuned immune system. And for that, you need good sleep. You need meditation. You need good relationships, healthy uh, environment. And you need to have fun. No one is available to take your call. Please leave a message. Some words of wisdom from the man himself, Deepak Chopra. Good words. Of course, I'm Adam Hurd. This is my podcast, Blood, Sweat, and Tongs. Welcome to it. Welcome to another Monday, Monday Mirepoix, as I call it, because I talk about a mixture of things, some food-related, some of what's going on in my life, what's going on in your life, what's going on in the world and whatevs. How's that anxiety? I know I ask a lot because it's a time right now to ask a lot. I think it's a good time to check up on each other. You know, not just people that you really know like your immediate family, but, you know, maybe people that wouldn't expect you to check up on them. Your your neighbors, two doors down. Maybe it's a good time to go and say, How's it going? Are you holding up? Maybe they're older or they're retired. I know I've got some retired neighbors and they really appreciated it when I reached out, uh, you know, after a few months of this and said, hey, is, is there anything you need? How are you doing? Because you, you, you might automatically assume that, well, they're retired and they, they saved up some cash, so they're just fine. They're retired anyway. But... Uh, but some parts of this affect everyone. Wealthy people too. We can't discount their feelings. I know people get upset when you say we're we're all in this together. Or when wealthy people say we're all in this together. People don't like that. The average Joes, like myself, I guess, often get upset when they say, well, you know, you're if you're we're in the same boat, you've got a lot bigger boat. Or what have you, but emotions are emotions. You can't you can't pay for anxiety to go away. I guess you can, it's called therapy, but it takes a long time. But you can't just give someone a wad of cash and say, Don't be anxious about this. Now, admittedly, it's obviously easier if you've got financial security to deal with these things. In, in one way, and that way is that you don't have to worry where your next uh, paycheck is coming from, where your next meal is coming from, and if you're going to be able to make the mortgage next month. So those are gone. But fear is fear. Whether you're uh, dirt poor or a gajillionaire, if you walk onto an airplane and you're terrified of flying, you can't hand somebody, that person, let's call it me because I don't like to fly, I don't think humans were meant to soar 600 miles an hour, 35,000 feet in the air. But so let's say I'm getting on the plane and the heart is palpitating, the chest is tight, the the tummy has butterflies. It's not butterflies. They're like fucking eagles with talons really in your stomach. And uh, you can feel your heart beating in about three different spots in your body. 
Somebody can't come to me, hand me a wad of cash, and say, here you go, there's a bunch of money. Stop being anxious about this. Because that's not a financial-based anxiety. If that anxiety is coming from, okay, my, my chest is tight, my heart is pounding, because the mortgage is due tomorrow, and I don't have enough money to pay for my rent or my mortgage, then somebody could hand me a wad of cash, and that would likely alleviate that anxiety. But if people out there are really anxious about the future, about their loved ones, there's lots of wealthy people, I would imagine, um, that have loved ones that are elderly that maybe they can't see or maybe they're worried about them catching this thing and dying or dying alone. Those are real, real anxieties. So in that way, we are all in this together. And it's a good time to check up on whoever they may be, just to say, how you doing? Like I usually do on this podcast, but you can't tell me, so I don't know why I say it anyway. Hopefully you like the gesture. It's the thought that counts, right? Christmas is coming up, so I'm going to lean into, it's the thought that counts, how you doing? But uh, listening a lot to what Deepak has to say, it makes a lot of sense, but that doesn't always mean that it's going to be easy to implement. I know a lot of restaurateurs, a lot of chefs, food industry people listen to this podcast. And right now, that's a stressful industry. Many industries are very stressful, to be fair. But specifically talking about the food industry, it's very, very high stress. It was before the pandemic. Always has been a high stress industry low margin industry but right now the industry is plagued it's plagued with so many different facets of this pandemic bullshit um and there's so much unfairness going on there's a lot of stigma in the restaurant industry right now with the pandemic you know, some people seem to be under the impression that uh, public transmission of COVID-19 obviously comes from the restaurant industry. But that's been proven to be completely wrong because restaurants that I've seen are doing a great job of keeping people safe, particularly their customers. Um, and the government is really cracking down on restaurants and uh, other food industry businesses to make sure they keep their customers safe. Um, and they're, they're also working hard to keep their customers safe, but the government isn't really pushing that quite as much, I don't think, as they should be. Uh, had a great talk with Chef Andrew Zimmern yesterday. You might know him from uh, Food Network, Bizarre Foods, The Zimmern List, What's Eating America. Uh, really good talk with him. Super political guy. I never know when I get into these conversations with these people. A lot of them I know. A lot of them I don't know. And when you don't know the people, you kind of you watch their content. Um, you check out what they're all about. You look at their Instagram. And somebody like Andrew Zimmern, you go on his Instagram and he's, you know, he's cooking away. He's doing YouTube or uh, Facebook live videos, Instagram live videos, cooking little bit of singing. says, I love the holidays. You know, he's doing little wreaths on the hot dog with jalapenos and 
the green and the red and so I assumed he liked the holidays and uh, I wore a Santa hat because we're, we're on Zoom. I mean, you guys only get the, the audio portion of this, but we can see each other. So I wore a Santa hat, thought that might break the tension because I'm nervous when I'm talking to these, especially the celebrities, because I'm like, I'm nobody, right? I'm nobody to them. <laughs> and... Uh, so I'm, I'm a little nervous. I thought, like an icebreaker, he likes the holidays. He seems like a fun-loving grandpa kind of guy, whatever. He's about 60 years old right now, uh, almost. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> he didn't really respond to me wearing the hat. He didn't really say anything at all. It was a little awkward. You know, I thought maybe he'd be like, whatever. And then I, I mentioned that, you know, I, I wore the hat. Because I know you like the holidays. And he said, well, I like to uh, I like to celebrate the holidays. So I think by that he's saying, you know, you look like a moron. Take off the hat. I said, do you mind if I take the hat off? Like, my head's hot. He said, yes, please do. <laughs> so, so as if I wasn't already nervous talking to this guy, I felt like a giant boob. Capital B, zero, zero, B. And turns out, yeah, he's he he's extremely political, which I kind of knew in the food industry because he's founded uh, uh, the IRC, which is the, um, the Independent Restaurant Coalition. And uh, they've, you know, done a venture called SaveRestaurants.com to fight for fairness and funding right now in the pandemic for the food industry which is exactly what we were talking about. And this is what I was saying, that the government isn't really putting as much emphasis as I believe they should on the employees of the restaurant because they're allowed to be next to each other. They have to wear a mask and all that kind of stuff. But all the regulations are out in the dining room. If you're allowed to have your dining room open... There's a lot more regulations there than there is back where the food is being prepped and, and uh, cooked and whatnot. So the big part of that, I believe, in relation to other industries is because restaurants don't have their own voice. They don't have an association. They don't have really a, a body that fights for them, that fights for them in government. And that's what Andrew is working towards doing or becoming. So that's the IRC, the uh, Independent Restaurants Coalition. So that's a very, very good thing for the industry so that they can have a body, a body of people, educated people, whatever, that can fight for them, whether it's in government, out of government, to say, hey, okay, we're keeping our customers safe and you're you're mandating that, and there is some mandating of procedures, you know, uh, in the back of the house as well, just not to the same level. So I think uh, I think that's important, but when it comes to anxiety, that's where things can kind of explode, specifically in the food industry. In the back of house, man, it's hot, it's fast, you're busy, you're in the weeds, you're, you've got a mask on and or a shield 
you know, the shield may be dripping or fogging, the mask is getting soaked because you're hot, you don't want to touch your face and touch food, you have all of that extra time, you know, people are getting upset because their food's taking longer. And the, if you're the restaurant owner, I'm hearing that 20 to 40% sometimes uh, an increase in production costs. I mean, because things are costing more coming down the supply chain anyway, but also food is taking longer to prepare if you're doing it correctly because you've got extra procedures. You've got sanitizing in between everything, things you wouldn't have sanitized before and trying to make sure that the sanitizer doesn't come in contact with the food, you know, to alter the flavor, keeping things separate, making sure that you're wearing the appropriate gear and mask and that it doesn't get sweat soaked and dripped or that your employees, your cooks, your chefs are doing the same. So so it's a stressful environment that was already a stressful environment. So how you doing? Uh, Deepak says, um, you know, sleep, meditation, um, relationships, healthy relationships, and fun. A lot of that isn't really rocket science. You're not going to tell somebody, hey, you know, you're anxious. Well, you you need more sleep, better nutrition. Um, oh, you've having relationship problems, you should have a better relationship. You should have more fun. You know, no, no shit, Deepak. Let's talk about how to implement these things in a time that's extra stressful right now. Right? I mean, obviously, you, you know you can get more sleep. You should get more sleep, and it's possible question is how and then maybe you take a sleep aid well that's not great either because a lot of those can cause anxiety later especially if you take them on a regular basis it might help you go to sleep but oftentimes those like the next day or running down the chain will cause more anxiety the same way alcohol does and smoking as well those residual effects to some of those medications Meditation, he says, that's, you know, I'm a big believer in that. And I know we've talked about this before in this podcast that in industries that are a little, uh, you know, masculine heavy or toxically masculine, maybe meditation to some people is seen as silly or hokey. But if you can do it right really 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 fucking hard to get started in meditation because step one is to think that it's not hokey have a little bit of faith and believe that it's going to work has no religious or spiritual connotation forget about all that crap just think of it as you sitting with your own mind and trying to you know shuffle out the demons for a minute trying to quiet down trying to just like relax and focus there's nothing spiritual about this type of meditation. But if you can get started with it, you can take a breath. I have trouble because I'm, I'm a little hyperactive. I'm probably a little ADHD. I'm probably like ADD, ADHD, DHD, DH. So for people like me, it's 
extra hard because you know the meditations always start with like it's like asmr kind of now sit in a quiet place in a quiet position a comfortable position with your legs crossed firmly and your palms up on your knees that's not comfortable first of all if somebody says sit comfortably but sit like this well okay is it sit comfortably or sit like that because that's not comfortable so meditation doesn't have to have all of these rules that people think you don't have to sit even you can lie they have walking meditation that you know you can practice walking meditation you can do it whenever because it's just trying to clear the clutter, clear the demons, fucking focus, and get your mind in gear. And those apps really help. Give it a try. If you're really struggling, give it a chance if you haven't already. Sleep is a tough one, though. When you're anxious, you know, I think sleep comes later. You're looking at the rest of this stuff as kind of working towards getting better sleep but if if Deepak is saying that sleep is the answer and you're anxious we can't just sleep right I think that is probably at the bottom of the list first try meditation see if you can calm those minds nutrition uh, I don't think he mentioned in this one but he mentioned it later in the interview um, about nutrition, which, you know, obviously caffeine, if you have trouble sleeping. My sister, ah, she takes sleeping pills because she can't sleep, but she drinks coffee at night and tells me that caffeine doesn't affect her. <laughs> like, ah, Kelly, if you're listening, caffeine affects you. Stop drinking coffee in the evening and you'll have a better time going to sleep. You know, too much sugar, too many acids in the body, all of that kind of stuff can actually you know, lead to hypertension, which will not at all help your anxiety. Appropriate breathing. Many of us breathe too shallow. Anyway, you get the point. We need to implement this stuff. It's not enough for him to just say, oh, go have fun, get better sleep, eat better, and uh, meditate, have better relationships. We're all already kind of working on that stuff anyway, but now is probably a time to maybe look into it a little more. Don't Google search, you know, when's the PS5 coming out. Don't Google search the best friggin' gadgets for Christmas right now. If you're feeling that anxious, Google search how to get started with meditation. Google search tricks to help your relationship. Google search... What can I do to have fun? I know that sounds stupid because you think you know what you can do to have fun, but you're not having fun because you're anxious. But uh, maybe an idea will pop up. There was just like a crazy warble coming through my headphones. I'm going to hope that that didn't come through and be all weird, but I have no idea. It was like interference. I think a UFO might have been flying above my, above my place. Wouldn't it all surprise me this year? Anyway, I didn't, I didn't mean to guru you. And uh, I just kind of got off on a tangent there because I am passionate about this. And it's, it comes from me being anxious. I am anxious AF lately. Um, you know, I run 
on a little high octane anxiety anyway, but it's like manageable and I always have. And it's that anxiety that I know is there and I live with it and I accept it. It's, you know, it's kind of like, it's, it's almost like my friend because I've accepted that my anxiety pushes me forward. It pushes me to do the things that I should do because I see them as a challenge. If it makes me kind of this level of anxious, then it's a challenge and I should do it. But if it crosses this level of anxiety, it's probably dangerous and I shouldn't do it. So it's kind of like anxiety is my friend. Not lately. Lately, it's like, no, this anxiety is not my buddy. This guy's a dick. Get away. But it's a crazy year. It's a crazy year for everybody. I mean, um, you know, Jennifer, my wife, a few weeks ago, her grandfather, 96 years old, wonderful man. He's actually lived with us for a decade. Um, went into went into the hospital and things were not looking good at all for those few days. Not at all. And then a few days later, Jen lost her favorite uncle suddenly. You know, her, her grandfather's son, obviously. Um, again, a wonderful man because a wonderful father raised a wonderful son. I can't say enough good stuff about either of them. Um, maybe in another podcast episode, I'll tell the whole story. It's very interesting, actually. But but then, because Jennifer is his primary caregiver, she's the only one allowed in. Because, thank you, pandemic, the 96-year-old sick man um, can only have one visitor in these certain times. She has to have a COVID test that's valid every time she goes in. Nobody else can go and visit him. His, uh, you know, his own kids can't really go visit them. It's a whole rigmarole to get them to do that. And they have to say, well, now I'm the caregiver. And it's just, uh, I get, I get why they do it. But some of the regulations are a little messy and how some parts of the hospital are seemingly a lot more free than these parts. It's just, it's sad because a lot of people are dying now alone or with one loved one and a lot of people have to live the rest of their life not have being able to say goodbye to say a final word to these loved ones um in any case in in this situation jennifer because she's the only one allowed to see him had to break the news to her grandfather that his son had passed away suddenly from uh, stage four cancer. So that's nasty. And I don't want to take on and say that, you know, I'm blaming my anxiety on that. Obviously, I'm, I'm a third party. I'm here. I have to deal with it in my own way because I know and loved those people as well. But Jennifer and her family, what they're going through with this right now is, it's terrible. It's pandemic terrible. So those kind of things just add to the anxiety that's already there that, that's from 2020. And everybody's got this stuff. If you're listening to this, I'm, I'm sure that maybe you have a good week or you have a bad week and other shit happens. And things are going to continue to happen, I think, probably because of anxiety. You know, people aren't, from what I'm seeing, being at all friendly to each other out there, that's going to have its own residual consequences 
later down the line. Traffic's crazy. I've bitched about this before. So those kind of things, it's just, it's like a build and a build and a build. Because it's like negativity begets negativity begets negativity and builds up on the anxiety. And as I say this, if you're anxious and you're listening, I'm probably not helping. <laughs> like describing how your anxiety should be worse and worse and worse. But the good news is, is that none of this is permanent. It's going to go away and we kind of have to live in that. We have to live for today. And I'm not a great live for today kind of guy. I'm a future thinker. I always have been. But right now, future thinking, uh, there's, it's, a two, it's kind of a, a two parallel streets, I guess. And one's good and one's bad because we don't know fully what the outcome is going to be. But we know this is going to be temporary. So we have to live in that. So my future thinking right now has to be positive, not even inquisitive, not what if this happens, no, just positive, because I'm not a huge positive thinker, I have to work on that, I have to force myself to think, you know, positively, and what I'm positive about is that even with all this anxiety, we can feel better, because I do it, and it it comes back automatically. I, I work on it, and I'm like, you know what? I am going to enjoy things about today. I'm, I want to feel better today. I want to see things as good. I'm going to, you know, accentuate the positive and eliminate the negative. That's from like a, I think that's like a 1950s musical. We saw at the uh, Schoolhouse Theater, Playhouse Theater, whatever it's called. I saw it a while ago. But really, it does work and the anxiety creeps back in but you have to kind of over positivize that <laughs> shit I don't know you have to over positivize it I didn't make that up that's a real word but yet you really have to try on a regular basis to find the joy and the fun in whatever it is whether it's food for me a lot of it's cooking it's the food and it's making the food, especially when I'm doing it with the family. If I can get, you know, the kids involved and they're excited about it or I've taught them something or they teach me something. Now they're getting into older years and they're teaching me shit. That's awesome. But but allowing myself to enjoy that, to take a breath. I've got Jen here and she's actually a breath coach. She's actually an actual breath coach. She understands breathing. So I've got a leg up on that. But even with that, it's tough. So I know if you don't have a breath coach and you're suffering from anxiety, it's a little extra work to do. But please do it. Please do it. And talking about nutrition, um, fast food is on the rise like crazy since the beginning of the pandemic. So are prescription drugs, marijuana, alcohol. So all... <laughs> All of these things, the self-medicating, it's great. I do it too. But you have to know that it only helps when you're in it. And then tomorrow, the anxiety will be worse and that will build. Because that's the way that it works. And did you know, we were doing some research for, uh, for this episode of Big Flavor Light that we're producing. In North America, we eat over 50 billion hamburgers each year that actually that's not full north america that's united states and canada 
that doesn't include Mexico. Um, but it's over 50 billion for United States and Canada. That's an insane amount of hamburgers. That's three burgers per week per person, if you do the math on that. And arguably one of the largest sources then of trans fats and probably calories or calories from fat is burgers. Most of those are probably coming from fast food chains, but that's a huge amount. That's too many. When you throw in pizzas is going to be number two sold probably. That's going to be in the billions and billions. Forgetting about all of the fries because fries come with everything now fries come with every all these i can remember when even like casual sort of upscale restaurants didn't really have fries that's how old i am can you imagine you could get a steak and your options were like rice salad a potato steamed veg something like that fries weren't an option because the place had a little bit of class Fucking fries are everywhere now. You can't escape them. They're everywhere. I have some friends that own a, a nice little bistro. They held out for as long as they could. Uh, the chef, who's an actual chef, a French dude, said, uh, I was not going to have a fryer. That's a terrible, I'm sorry. That's a terrible French accent. But he said... I was insistent that I was not going to have fryers, but the, the people they want, the people they want, he said. They wanted it and they wanted it. So eventually, a few years ago, he caved, got a fryer because people were walking. They were saying they weren't going to come back unless you deep fry some potatoes. Cover them in salt and give me some ketchup. Because that's why I come to this little French bistro cafe that serves high tea and, you know warm seafood salad. Give me some fries with that. Doesn't make sense. I get it. I like fries too. I just think everything has a place. You know, you don't go to a Chinese restaurant and ask for pizza. Some people probably do, but those people deserve the pizza that they're going to get from a Chinese restaurant. And I mean, if the question is, you know, why do I have high cholesterol or why am I getting fat? Well, the answer is because we eat over 50 billion hamburgers every year. That doesn't include veggie burgers. That's an insane, insane thought to me. But we know the answer. It's because of the pizza and the fast food and the crap. And because we're not cooking, because we're so busy. When we're not busy, we're strapped to our cell phone. But I wonder if that number would go down if we started spending our money a little more locally. I've been a big advocator, as you know, for buying more local. Like, everybody's an advocator for that now. And it's hard for a lot of people. I get it because the cost is more. But there's also a lot of places doing good things, using pasture-raised, um, you know, animals and eggs, local, organic, pasture-raised, all that stuff. If you started to eat that way, like I like to get my meat very close to my house. I live on the outside of the city and it's much more expensive, but I buy less, which is actually better for my health. And then I supplement that with cheaper vegetables. 
right? So instead of $1.99 a pound, maybe you're paying $5.99 a pound, but you eat a third of what you eat because we do eat too much meat from all respects, environmentally, from animal rights, ecologically, and definitely health-wise, we eat too much meat. So buy more expensive meat. You can feel a little better about eating it. Um, you know, you're kind of helping the community. I'm sure vegans would rake me over the coals for saying go and buy meat anyway, but you're eating meat, so at least take the next step eat less, buy local. It's better for you. It doesn't have the crap in it. Um, you know, oftentimes those animals are treated a lot better at local farms. You can get to know the people, you know, the farmers and whatnot who are selling it to you. It's better to begin with. You can brag to your friends about it. Be like, yeah, quality meat, man. I'm the cat's ass or whatever, whatever gets you there. Uh, I'm actually getting a text right now <laughs> from my friend John at Five Chicks and a Farmer, local pasture-raised uh, everything he does, poultry. We're getting some stuff for the show from him. But Speaking of vegans, I talked the other day to uh, Lauren Toyota of Hot for Food blog. She used to be a much music VJ turned food blogger. Really interesting. Vegan stuff, but... Uh, She's a, she's a great vegan. She's a very, very good ambassador. She tells you why she eats that way, explains why it would be good if most people could eat that way, but she doesn't shove it down your throat. If anybody could flip me to the other side, it's going to be her. That episode will be out in uh, uh, probably going to be probably late January. I'm pushing that off a little bit because she's promoting her new cookbook. Um which I'll give it a plug now. It's called Hot for Food All Day. And that cookbook is coming out the beginning of March, I believe. But it is available now for pre-order. Just about everywhere, like Chapters, Indigo, Amazon. It's called Hot for Food All Day by Loyan Tabasaba. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I quit drinking... Lauren Toyota, by the way. I quit drinking coffee yesterday for the 195th time in my life I switched to green tea that's why I'm messing up my words and and you know because coffee has that effect it's very neurological you get up in the morning and when you're drinking it on a regular basis it really you know when people say they need their coffee I get it because I stumble on my words and I'm like I probably shouldn't even be driving because I've only been up for 45 minutes and I'm like, am I driving? I don't know. Oh, I am. Maybe I should pay attention because all I'm thinking about is I need my coffee so that my mind can work. And it's so crazy because in the mornings I always used to wake up alert. This is before I started drinking coffee on a regular basis. And it obviously does something to your body and your brain because you, you wake up in that caffeineless fog that haze you know you're you're like morning drunk and the coffee brings you out of it but uh but you can blame the coffee for that because like i said i used to be alert and coffee made me not alert it made me morning dumb 
I mean, it's probably just me being dumb that made me dumb, but it made me morning foggy. How's that? Is that better? And those restaurants that served fries that didn't serve fries before often didn't have a, didn't have a burger either. And now they're, you know, trying to make whole cuisine burgers. I don't know. I think if a lot of restaurants banded together, stuck to their guns, and said, we're not serving fries. Maybe there should be like an association or a big logo. Maybe there's a sign that can go outside of your restaurant. It's kind of like fight the power, sort of. We're not serving fries. Don't come here. But I know what you're saying. Adam, I'll lose two-thirds. Two thirds. <laughs> oh, coffee time. Really? Adam, get it together. You do this professionally. Adam, I'll lose two-thirds of my business. I could edit that out, by the way, but why would I? That's what You can laugh at me. I don't mind. That's one of the reasons I wore the, the hat, the Santa hat for Andrew Zimmern. It's because I don't mind making an ass of myself if it's going to put a smile on somebody else's face, even if it's because they're they're embarrassed for me. That's okay. At least in these times, people can smile. I'm used to being embarrassed. That's not a big deal for me. And I was. And I didn't even get a smile out of him. <laughs> but at the end of uh at the end of our conversation, he did say, "Now go put your Santa hat back on." So that was kind of cool. Um couple weeks that episode will be out with Andrew Zimmern. Um this week coming out is Bob Bloomer. If you remember him from uh, a whole bunch of stuff, actually. But the Surreal Gourmet and Glutton for Punishment. He's also got a new cookbook out called Flavor Bomb. I have it. It's great. It's a very good book. I've got a uh, few more conversations before the end of the year lined up. A lot of times I do these things ahead of time. Obviously, I have to edit them, and sometimes... The people don't want them released right away anyway because they are promoting something that might be time sensitive. So sometimes I, uh, I have these a little bit backlogged. But Christmas is a coming. Uh, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate, just make sure you celebrate. Listen to Deepak. Try to meditate a little bit. And then maybe if you meditate, you'll feel a little better. Maybe you'll get some sleep. You might feel that a little bit happier. Might be easier to have some fun. Have a better relationship, like Deepak says. And then in the end, you'll, you'll be less anxious. Maybe. But we have to work at it. Let's work at it together because I'm trying. Good day today. Uh, two days ago, I could not sleep at all. Just anxiety. And the question everyone asks is, well, what are you anxious about? Well, that's not really how it works. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's like, for sure, I'm anxious about this. But no, it's just anxiety's looming. 3 a.m., I'm up. Like, I'm up, up. Going, what What can I do? Where can I go? I want to go for a drive. Uh, I could, If I could go into work, I would right now. You know, that's the burden of anxiety. So I'm working on it. Like I said, today I decided this morning that um, it's a nice day. I've got some stuff to do. I get to podcast because I love doing these. Whether or not you like to hear my ridiculous ramblings, I'm going to continue to do it anyway. Uh, 
every Monday on Monday Mirepoix. But if you're still listening at this point, you must like it or you're laughing at me. And that's fine. Whatever makes you smile. But I'll leave you with that. Do whatever makes you smile. Uh, I'll be back Wednesday with Bob Bloomer. And then again next Monday and every Monday for the rest of my life. Remember to be good to each other. And we'll talk to you soon.